WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Wednesday, November 15th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly cloudy day on the way. High 54. Tonight and overnight, those clouds, they hang around low 45 and then thursday is going to be a whole lot warmer sunshine high 64 if you're walking out the door with us right now 30 clear in stony point up in rockland county 31 and clear in english town down in new jersey and it is 39 and clear here in midtown so much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour sit in friends in the morning i was trying to decide where to start this morning because there's not like a huge a-plus story. Sometimes it just stands out. This is the story of the morning. There's not really one of those, but there's a lot of B-plus stories. So we'll start uh, in Washington. We won't have to hear about uh, a government shutdown, apparently. The House uh, passing this bill that will prevent a government shutdown. The Senate apparently on board. On Tuesday, the House voted in favor of a Republican plan to fund some departments until mid-January and the rest through early February at current spending levels. The bill now heads to the Senate where it has bipartisan support. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he would pass the legislation as soon as possible. I'm Brian Shook. Okay, so apparently the more interesting part of this story is how Republicans just can't seem to really get along with each other. Tensions among Republicans flaring yesterday following a run-in between former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and one of the eight members of his own party who voted last month to oust him. McCarthy, this is the allegation, bumped into Congressman Tim Burchett, a hardliner from Tennessee, as Republicans left a meeting. It was unclear if the collision, which occurred in a narrow hallway in the uh, U.S. Capitol's basement, was accidental, but the exchange quickly turned heated as McCarthy walked away. Burchett apparently yelled to McCarthy, asking why he elbowed him in the back and questioning whether he had any guts. Uh, Burchett then telling reporters last night that the shove was a clean shot to the kidney and absolutely on purpose. He says it was because I was one of the eight who voted to oust McCarthy. Now, McCarthy last night telling the conservative newspaper, The Washington Examiner in D.C., that the incident was just an innocent bump. Uh, he remembered it happening, but he said it was nothing more than that. And then you had this other moment. What is going on in Washington? Tensions erupting at a Senate committee, committee hearing, an argument almost turning into a fistfight between Oklahoma Republican Senator Mark Wayne Mullen and the Teamster Union President Sean O'Brien. The exchange occurred when Mullen recalled an interaction he had with O'Brien back in June on Twitter. So this is all playing out during this Senate committee. Here's a little bit of what it sounded like. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Yeah, so they were going to fight each other. But here's the best part of this story. They didn't fight, so that's the best part of the story. But maybe the better part is that Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders was the one who broke up the fight. Uh, he was chairing this hearing. He restored order, and he told the two to just stop it, which uh, thankfully they did. Uh, and one more out of Washington, a former 
staffer of Long Island Congressman George Santos pleading guilty yesterday. Sam Mealy, who's accused of impersonating an aide of former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to raise funds, pleading guilty yesterday to wire fraud. The 27-year-old Mealy faces between 27 and 33 months behind bars. Sentencing is set for next April. He's the second person aligned with George Santos's camp to cop a plea deal, including the former campaign treasurer Nancy Marks. Meantime, Santos has pled not guilty to 23 criminal charges. You have all these people who've been trying to push him out, trying to get him expelled. You had Congressman Anthony D'Esposito, who's a fellow Republican out on Long Island, who tried to uh, expel, get Congress to expel Santos. That was about, was it last week? Now, two weeks ago. And he says Santos just is bad news and maybe they'll try again. He is the uh, the definition of a sociopath. I think that he's enjoying every minute of it. He embraces uh, all of the uh, attention that he's getting. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see what happens with Santos as time marches on. Let's see what else is going on on this uh, two, uh, Wednesday. New York City subway ridership, it continues to grow, but it's still far below pre-COVID levels. Yesterday, the MTA celebrated its one billionth subway customer. Brian Jones, just a guy from Jersey who happened to be getting on the subway, the lucky one to receive some gifts from the MTA yesterday at the 175th Street Station in Manhattan. The one billionth subway customer comes about six weeks earlier than it did last year. However, uh, MTA subway ridership is still roughly 30% lower than it was at its peak before the pandemic. The uh, One of the obvious reasons is why is uh, lots of people made deals with their workplace to work from home. So people just aren't riding the subway like they were pre-pandemic. 506, let's go out to Ohio. We're getting more information on this awful bus crash. High school kids, six people dead. 18 more injured after a crash involving a charter bus carrying high school students in Ohio. Jennifer Hammondy, she's chair of the National Transportation Safety Board. She confirmed the news last night. Our hearts go out to you. Uh, For those who lost loved ones, uh, our deepest condolences. And uh, for others that were injured, just know that uh, we are uh, praying for a full recovery. The Ohio State Highway Patrol says the crash happened on Interstate 70 when the bus was rear-ended by a semi-truck. The bus was taking high school band students and chaperones from the high school to a conference in Columbus. Five vehicles, including the bus, were involved in what's being called a chain reaction crash. Uh, horrendous that it's high school band members again. Of course, we had our own terrible accident when Farmingdale, the Farmingdale High School students, they were on their way also to a band conference in upstate New York when their bus overturned. Uh, their band leader and a chaperone were killed in that crash. And the uh, Mets' new manager, Carlos Mendoza, being officially introduced at City Field yesterday, the former Yankee bench coach, saying it's an honor. To be the new manager, he says he understands how passionate Met fans are. And they have high expectations, and they do. when you're not meeting those expectations, they're going to let you know. That's true. Speaking in uh, both uh, Spanish and English, Mendoza thanking the support of his family back in Venezuela, who will now be living in New York. Mendoza is the Mets' fifth manager in six seasons. That's enough to get you a little crazy. WABC News Time 510. Let's jump on that Joe Nolan story about Amtrak. Partial service being restored on Amtrak after 
other structural defects were discovered above ground in that parking garage at 51st Street and 10th Avenue. Partial Amtrak service between the city and Albany will start moving again this Thursday, with full service expected on Friday. Service shut down earlier this week due to safety concerns over a parking garage in Hell's Kitchen, where Amtrak's lines run underneath. Governor Hochul says thousands of New Yorkers rely on this line for their daily commute, saying she's outraged service has been suspended for so long. The governor's sending several senior leaders in her administration to meet with city and Amtrak officials to determine a path forward. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. This is a strange story that we can't make heads or tails of because we tried to get some confirmation, but we know it's true. A 747 cargo plane carrying a horse had to dump 20 tons of fuel and return to JFK after the horse escaped its crate inside the plane. Now, this took place last week. It's not clear why we're only getting the information now, but the plane was in the air less than a half hour when air control uh, and the pilots, air traffic control, started communicating with each other and they talked about the fact that this horse was trotting all over this plane. Now, the pilots could be heard yelling air traffic control that they couldn't rescue the horse and needed a vet when they got back on the ground. The plane, uh, plane was headed to Belgium. Not really clear again who owns this horse. Uh, of course, there's more details coming on what is an odd story. We will pass them on to you. Of course, it is that time of year where we watch the weather really closely for the Thanksgiving Day Parade, not only because you want it to be nice if you're one of the million people who are watching this thing, but it's also about the winds, right? They, the wind speeds can only be so, so high. Uh, if they go too high, then they won't fly those great balloons that come down Broadway. So organizers closely now watching the forecast, hoping the weather doesn't take the air out of Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Gusty winds are expected on Thanksgiving Day in New York City, and parade safety protocols say balloons can't fly if sustained winds exceed 23 miles per hour or if gusts are stronger than 34 miles per hour. Changes were made after incidents in 1993 and 2005 when out-of-control floating balloons hit light poles, which then fell and hurt people. The only time in history when the Thanksgiving Day parade balloons were grounded outright was back in 1971. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. You know what's amazing about the balloons? Back in the day, now we're going back a long way, at the end of the parade, they used to just let the balloons go into the air. I mean, it's been a while since they've done that, but it's crazy to think that they used to. Starbucks union workers planning their largest strike ever for one of the coffee chain's busiest days of the year. Starbucks Workers United said in a news release that it is demanding the company come to an agreement over staffing and scheduling issues this Thursday on Red Cup Day, along with turning off mobile ordering for big promotion days. The union says the yearly event in which Starbucks gives away free reusable holiday cups is the biggest sales event of the season and one of the most infamously hard understaffed days for the baristas that work them. I'm Mark Mayfield. WABC News Time coming up on 514. President Biden says he's going to try to improve bilateral relations with China. The president set to meet with Chinese President Xi Jinping on the sidelines today 
of the Asian Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit in San Francisco. To get back on a normal course of corresponding, being able to pick up a phone and talk to one another is a crisis being able to make sure our military still have contact with one another. So Biden telling reporters yesterday, the U.S. not trying to what he calls decouple from China, says he wants to restart military communications between the two nations uh, that went sour when Nancy Pelosi last year went to Taiwan. We're not trying to decouple from China. What we're trying to do is change the relationship for the better. Beijing suspended communications last year following then-Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. All right, coming up, we're going to get you all caught up on what's happening in Israel over the last 24 hours. Of course, there was a big protest down in Washington, D.C. yesterday. We'll hear from some of the New Yorkers who were there. We'll get into that and more. But first, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. A happy Hump Day. Good morning, Justin Elliott. Happy Hump Day. Good morning to you, Gnome Aladdin. Uh Start here on the hardwood. The Nets, they won at home against the Orlando Magic by a score of 124 to 104. Spencer Dinwiddie had 29 points, 9 assists, and 5 rebounds to lead the contest in scoring. Mikael Bridges chipped in 21 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. And Cam Johnson poured in 20 and wrapped to the in-season tournament Eastern Conference Group C victory with six players total uh, registering double figures in points. Brooklyn grabs its second straight overall win and moves to 2-1 and one in the tournament, whatever that gets them. Tonight in Atlanta, the Knicks are back on the court as they get set to face the Hawks. Tip-off there is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. On the ice in Winnipeg, the Devils got doubled up by the uh, Jets last night, losing 6-3. to Timo Meyer, John Marino, and Dawson Mercer scored for the Devils, including a pair of goals on the power play for the league's top-ranked team with a man advantage. Clearly, though, a staunch power play doesn't directly equate to wins as New Jersey has now lost three straight and four of its past five games tonight. We've got Islanders hockey to look forward to as they're back in action on the road in Vancouver. Puck drop for them against the Canucks is set for 10 p.m. tonight. And finally, award news continues to trickle in out of the world of baseball. Yesterday, the Baltimore Orioles' Brandon Hyde was named the American League Manager of the Year as the Miami Marlins' Skip Shoemaker won the National League Award. This evening at 6 p.m., the winners of the 2023 Cy Young Award will be announced on MLB Network. Local Yankees ace Garrett Cole is the front runner in the American League, so hopefully we'll be reading his name again tomorrow. He goes along with finalist Kevin Gauff, uh, Gaussman from Toronto and Sonny Gray from Minnesota. In the National League, it's down to Zach Gallen out of Arizona, Blake Snell from San Diego, and Logan, Logan Webb, I should say, from San Francisco. Do you get a trophy or cash? What yeah. Do you get? yeah. Well, if you win the Cy Young, you get, yeah. you get, you get the Cy Young trophy. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure there's. I don't know if there's cash directly tied to winning the award. I'm just curious. What does the Cy Young trophy look like? I've never seen one. Before. Oh, how to describe it? Um, is it a pitcher? No, uh, oh. no. I mean, it's like uh, just a regular trophy. I, 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 thing? I'm like picturing it in my head, known, but I can't. I just oh. can't describe it. To okay, you. it's nice. It's a cool trophy. Something nice, you know, big, and you can put up in uh, in a case at home. Yeah, you know, uh, you have one. No, I do not have a Cy Young one. No, not yet, anyway. That's Sports Dome. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 519. Let's go overseas. Israeli forces entering Al-Shifa Hospital in Gaza City overnight to conduct what the Israeli military says was a precision operation against Hamas. Yosef Abu Rish, who's an official from the Hamas Health Ministry, says he saw Israeli tanks inside the complex and dozens of soldiers and commandos inside 
the emergency and receptions buildings. Uh, Israeli forces say they came under attack before entering the complex, encountering explosive devices and terrorist cells. They killed five Hamas gunmen. No Israeli soldiers were hurt. The IDF forces include medical teams, apparently, and some Arabic-speaking soldiers who have undergone some specified training to prepare for the hospital complex. The Army announcing yesterday that incubators, baby food, and medical supplies have been brought into Gaza by IDF tanks and have reached this hospital, and that medical teams will help with what is a growing need for medical help among people in Gaza. That, as the White House is confirming Hamas operating out of several hospitals in Gaza. We do not support striking a hospital from the air, and we do not want to see a firefight in a hospital where innocent people, helpless people, sick people, uh, are simply trying to get the medical care that they deserve. Well, so far it doesn't sound like it's been that case. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby there talking to reporters says uh, patients are trapped or have been trapped by the fighting and the bombardment around the side. Hamas used some hospitals in the Gaza Strip, including Al-Shifa, and tunnels underneath them to conceal and to support their military operations and to hold hostages. Hamas members operate a command and control node from Al-Shifa in Gaza City. They have stored weapons there, and they're prepared to respond to an Israeli military operation against that facility. And a bipartisan group of senators now introducing a resolution warning Iran from expanding the conflict in Gaza into a regional war. If there's an expansion of the war where Hezbollah goes all in trying to overwhelm the state of Israel... The right response for the United States would be to hit Iran. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham there talking to reporters. The resolution urges the U.S. to strike Iran if Americans are killed by Iranian proxies in the Middle East or if Hezbollah opens up a second front from Lebanon against Israel. Hezbollah could open up a second front in the north against Israel. They have hundreds of thousands of rockets. Some are precision-guided. If Americans are killed by Iranian proxies in Syria and Iraq, we believe that would be a provocation deserving a military response. That resolution comes as dozens of U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria have been injured in attacks carried out by Iranian-backed groups. Around 300,000 gathering in the nation's capital yesterday for the March for Israel parade, or I should say rally, including the mother of Omer uh, Nutra, a 22-year-old hostage who is from Plainview, Long Island. From a place of deep pain. We hold strong for you, Omer. We speak in your name. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman estimates about 10,000 people came from Long Island to show support at this rally yesterday. We are going to do everything possible to stop the anti-Semitic attacks against our Jewish brothers and sisters. That's not him, but uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he wants the hostages that Hamas has released. Bring them home! Like so many Jewish people. National Guard was called in. No reports of any violence, though. Meanwhile, uh, officials in Gaza City warning 3,500 people stuck in that hospital because it's surrounded by Israeli tanks. That was some of the conversation going on at this rally yesterday. Uh, other people speaking, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffrey says Hamas brutally attacked Israel. Hamas wants to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. So let me be clear. We will never let that 
happen. And then you had this moment during uh, uh, as this protest or rally was taking place. Hundreds of demonstrators arriving in D.C. for this march for Israel were stranded at Dulles International Airport after charter bus drivers refused to take them to the National Mall. They say this was done on purpose. Some people had flown in from Detroit. People had flown in from all over the country, actually. But in this case, it was a group of people from Detroit who had come in on a private plane, and uh, no buses, charter buses, would come and pick them up. Uh, now the charter bus company saying it was done on purpose. The drivers refused to drive these people from the airport to the rally. And then back here, Mayor Adams says the NYPD monitoring the pro-tax activity and demonstrations that have become also common since the Israel-Hamas war began. The mayor says there's been more than 120 demonstrations across the city over the last four weeks. It's incredible, that many. Outside of uh, one or two terrible incidents, such as breaking a police uh, window and writing uh, graffiti, uh, for the most part, the police department has done an amazing job of ensuring that this city remains safe. Adams condemning the dramatic increase in hate crimes against the Jewish and Muslim communities. We all want peace, yes, for Israel and Palestinians abroad, but also we want it here in New York City. So to advance that goal, we're going to continue to have these roundtables. We're going to continue to build on our breaking bread, building bonds. Yeah, the roundtable he's talking about was with Jewish, Muslim, and Catholic leaders to promote unity through the city. You know, listen, this is not Europe in the 1930s. And this is not who we are as a city. And this is not who we are as people of New York. Hate has no place in our city. 526, triple A out with its Thanksgiving travel prediction. All signs point to one of the busiest seasons in decades. On a nationwide basis, 55 million people planning to go at least 50 miles or more for the holidays. This has been a very strong year for travel. Despite various inflationary pressures, Americans still make travel a top priority. And that's certainly going to be the case this Thanksgiving. AAA spokesman Mark Jenkins there, he says gas prices continue to fall well below last year's level. Air travel, he says, will be somewhat more expensive. The average ticket on Thanksgiving Day or the days right around it is around 680 bucks. We had people who were out there responding to flat tires, dead batteries, all sorts of issues. And you can avoid that. You can avoid spending your Thanksgiving on the roadside by simply going to a car care center and having your vehicle inspected before you hit the road. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. You'll have fewer options this year to walk off that Thanksgiving meal and shop. A few years ago, all kinds of stores and malls pushed to be open on Thanksgiving. This year, all that changes. One of the country's largest mall operators, Simon Properties, says many of its properties will be closed for the holidays. In addition, Westfield's malls will be closed. On top of that, Target's and Walmart's will be closed that Thursday. In fact, Target's CEO, Brian Corn. Cornell says their stores will never go back to working on Thanksgiving. Plus, all those employees need to be well-rested. All the outlets are expected to be open bright and early the next day for Black Friday. I'm John Fink. The opening bell, it rings this morning after stocks closed sharply higher on Wall Street yesterday. New data that showed inflation cooling sparked a broad rally on hopes the Fed may be done raising interest rates. Bank stocks, energy shares, they were among the day's best performers. At the closing bell, the Dow gained 489 points. S&P 500 rose 84. NASDAQ climbed 327 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 
It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noam on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Wednesday, November 15th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly cloudy day on the way, high 54. Tonight, overnight, those clouds, they hang around. Low 45, and then Thursday is going to be beautiful. Sunshine, high 64. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 30 clear in Stony Point up in Rockland County. 31 and clear in English Town down in New Jersey. And it is 39 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour out in Queens as police try to figure out what took place inside a home there. A 54-year-old landlord appears to have killed his girlfriend and two of his tenants inside a home in Queens on Tuesday. The victims, two of them ages 51 and 55, and a 57-year-old man. They were found inside this home. This was about 7 a.m. yesterday on Milburn Street. They were pronounced dead at the scene of apparent stab wounds. You would hardly, like, even hear a peep from anybody. That's uh, one of their neighbors. The killings of the tenants appeared to stem from some sort of rent dispute, but we couldn't even confirm that. That dates back to the pandemic, although some rent appears to have been paid during that time. Police found two tenants in a basement bedroom and the landlord's girlfriend in a bedroom upstairs. The landlord actually turned himself in. So he apparently, if this is true, he allegedly carried out these murders. Then he walked into the 113th precinct in Queens yesterday, and he told police what he had done and told them to go check it out. A 54-year-old male walked into the 113th precinct, stating to uniformed police officers that he was having issues with his tenants. The officer inquired further, And the male stated that he did something bad. Police say his statements, all captured on body camera, were devoid of any kind of an emotion. The senior police official says uh, he'll be charged with murder. They raced over there after he told them what he had done. And sure enough, they found the bodies inside. Neighbors say, this is St. Albans, they say this is a quiet neighborhood. I mean, really nothing happens there. It's upsetting. It's really upsetting because you don't want anything like this, especially over something like rent. Like, that's something, conversations, you go to court, like, you could do anything. Something like that is just, it hurts to see something like that, for real. The single-family home had a finished basement. Uh, Neighbors say it was really well-kept. They also say that the landlords and tenants seem to be courteous to each other, but, uh, you know, for the most part, kept to themselves. Always be quiet around here. There's no, you know, nothing going on. Always be a quiet neighborhood. You can walk any time of the night and you come in from, you know, I don't know. This 54-year-old who allegedly carried out the crime had never carried out any other crime. Police had never been called to this house, so they're scratching their head over this one. Police have identified a person of interest in a hate crime. This is after a 40-year-old woman attacked a, a man at a playground in Brooklyn. It happened at the Edmonds Playground in Fort Greene. The victim 
who is not Palestinian but as of is of Indian descent, was with his 18-month-old son when this woman just out of nowhere came up, threw a cup of hot coffee in his face, and then accused him of supporting Hamas. Neither the victim, thankfully, or his son were hurt in the incident. They uh, know who this woman is, and they just need to find her. Uh, when they put her picture out on Crime Stoppers, lots of people said, oh, I recognize that woman. Just a matter of time until they catch up with her. Over at City Hall yesterday, uh, Mayor Adams remaining on the defense as the FBI investigates his 2021 campaign finances. His City Hall chief counsel, Lisa Zornberg, kept interrupting as reporters would ask questions about this probe. This, of course, is the probe that uh, looking into whether Turkey illegally funneled money into the mayor's campaign uh, through a construction company in Brooklyn. The mayor, when he was borough president, visited Turkey about half a dozen times, even met with the Turkish president. Uh, but as reporters probed, this chief counsel, Lisa Zornbig, kept interrupting. That's it. Uh, we're going to continue to cooperate, but we are not going to impede a federal investigation. Let it take its course, but not in the course of the press. So they're probing if the mayor helped fast track the opening of the Turkish consulate, maybe or allegedly in return for those campaign donations. When the constituency reaches out to us for assistance to another agency, we reach out to the agency. I don't think there's an elected official in the city, like many of them uh, reached out to me, and said, Eric, this is what we do every day. So the fast tracking apparently went through the FDNY commissioner at the time, Daniel Nigro, who had to sign office and so papers. So this building would open in time for the U.N. General Assembly back in 2021. And it did. I did not speak to any of the individual uh, in the FDNY. I did not circumvent the commissioner. Uh, the commissioner was the person that I asked, uh, can you look into uh, this? And that was all I spoke with. Yeah. Meanwhile, he does was asked a lot of other questions that he did not answer. Was you know he had his phones taken away, his electronics. He was asked if other members of his staff had had done the same thing to them. He sort of skipped over those questions, skipped over many others. Maybe more to the story. We just don't know. Of course, we'll follow it right here. Seventy-seven WABC. WABC News Time five forty. It's always been the thought if someone has a job, they're less likely to carry out crimes. New York City boosting its efforts in neighborhoods most impacted by gun violence to connect people with job opportunities. The Small Business Service Commissioner here in the city, his name is uh, Kevin Kick. He kicked off this mobile unit's latest tour in Brownsville, Brooklyn, to provide New Yorkers there with. With some resources like job screenings, resume workshops, and career counseling. Any New Yorker can walk up to it. We can have career experts there who can type in and get them started on the journey to get connected to a good-paying job. And the NYPD says uh, this is working to some level. Five of the seven index crime categories down so far this year. 12% drop in homicides, 20%, uh, 26% decline in shooting. Some of this attributed to this program to find people jobs people state they need jobs they need employment and no one wants to go down a pathway of a life of crime Uh, when you give them opportunities they don't go uh, in a negative uh, direction 541 there is an update now on that unsafe manhattan parking garage that was impacting amtrak service continues to between new york city and westchester county for the last uh, was four days now mayor adams says that Partial service could return tomorrow. People who park 
in this garage. So the deal was parts of this garage, pieces of it, collapsed to the ground below. So when they looked through one of the holes, they saw that there were train tracks underneath this garage. And so, of course, they didn't want to keep having trains come through if this garage was unstable. And lots of people who had cars in the garage, well, they can't get to them. And I guess if it's safety, I just wish they could get the cars out and then do all the work. Yeah, well, you're going to have to wait a little while longer. Contractors began repair work at the Hudson View Garage on West 51st Street, the garage closed uh, since Friday after the property's engineer found two holes and they called 911. The garage sitting above this Amtrak tunnel, tracks seen through one of the holes. The Department of Buildings has said the garage is structurally unstable. So the property's engineer, contractors expect to complete enough of the shoring and repair work over today so trains on one of the two Amtrak lines can restart tomorrow morning. But uh, that's not enough time for people to get their cars out. That might be a while. So here's someone who has a car in this garage. We needed it for, yeah, like a friend's moving today. I was supposed to help him move up up to Westchester, and now I can't help him. Oh, you should be thankful. You don't have to help someone move. Uh, Icon, which owns the garage, says it's been in touch with customers who can't access those cars. And if they submit receipts for cabs and rental cars, they'll be paid back. 543 out to Staten Island. Cops arresting five people last night at a pro-Palestinian march, Staten Island. The rally was called Flood Staten Island for Gaza. Demonstrators gathering, uh, demanding an end to the violence in Gaza. The rally outside Borough Hall there drew a few hundred people from uh, all over the city, all calling for the ceasefire. At one point, it did get a little wild, but the NYPD was able to control the crowd and eventually form a police line. There has to be some way that people start talking to each other and start figuring out a way of resolving the, the conflict and coming to a, some sort of peaceful cl- conclusion. So the evening started off with a demonstration of prayer. The crowd also cheered on vehicles passing by before circling, uh, circling the area by the Staten Island Ferry, as they called for the ceasefire. We need to stick together as people. I love all communities. I love the Jewish community. I love Palestinians. But what I see is what I see. So this is what cops telling us. The five people arrested during the protests include three adults and two juveniles. Uh, Disorderly conduct is what their charges they're facing. The estranged wife of the Gilgo Beach, the alleged Gilgo Beach murderer, Rex Huerman, will attend his court appearance today for the first time. Her attorney confirming this yesterday. Asa Ellerup actually recently visited her husband in prison behind bars. This is according to her lawyer. Asa did visit um, Rex yesterday at the Suffolk County Correctional Facility in uh, Riverhead. Um, spent about an hour with him. Okay, so now you want to know, this is the first communication apparently they have had since uh, he's gone to jail back over the summer. Suffolk County jailers, they would not detail what the two were talking about behind bars. Whenever anyone's uh, having a visit, we do give them some sort of privacy Uh, We do have staff, appropriate staff, to make sure that the security... So not a whole lot of detail there. Heuerman charged with the murders of three of the Gilgo Beach victims, a prime suspect in the fourth one. So he's pled not guilty, by the way. But uh, this might have been what was going on in the conversation between him and his estranged wife. She's asked for a divorce. Uh, He apparently has signed over 
the paperwork for their home. His name was the sole name on the ownership of the house. Uh, they bought it back in 1994 for $170,000, Massapequa Park, that house now worth a half a million dollars. Uh, he was the sole breadwinner in the house, so uh, his soon-to-be ex-wife needs the money. And apparently, maybe some of the reason she will be in that courtroom today is she assigned a TV production deal to do some sort of documentary. And my guess, that is why you will see her in that courtroom later this morning. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Olin, starting here on the hardwood. The Nets won at home against the Orlando Magic by a score of 124 to 104. Spencer Dinwiddie had 29 points, 9 assists, and 5 rebounds to lead the contest in scoring. Mikel Bridges chipped in 21 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. And Cam Johnson poured in 20 in a route to the uh, in-season tournament Eastern Conference Group C victory. With six players total registering double figures in points, Brooklyn grabs its second straight overall win and moves to 2-1 and one in the tournament. Tonight in Atlanta, the Knicks are back on the court as they get set to face, uh, face the Hawks. Tip-off there is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. On the ice in Winnipeg, the Devils got doubled up by the Jets last night, losing 6-3. to Timo Meyer, John Marino, and Dawson Mercer scored for the Devs, including a pair of goals on the power play for the league's top-ranked team with the man advantage. Clearly a staunch power play doesn't directly equate to wins, as New Jersey has now lost three straight and four of its past five games. Tonight we've got Islanders hockey to look forward to as they're back in action on the road in Vancouver. Puck drop for them against the Canucks is set for 10 p.m. tonight. And finally, award news continues to trickle in out of the world of baseball. Yesterday, the Baltimore Orioles' Brandon Hyde was named the American League Manager of the Year as the Miami Marlins' Skip Shoemaker, appropriately named there, won the National League Award. This evening at 6 p.m., the winners of the 2023 Cy Young Award will be announced on MLB Network. Local Yankees ace Garrett Cole is the frontrunner in the American League, so hopefully we'll be calling his name again tomorrow morning. He's with finalists Kevin Gaussman out of Toronto and Sonny Gray from Minnesota. And the National League gets down to Zach Gallen from Arizona, Blake Snell out of San Diego, and Logan Webb out west in San Francisco as well. I did a little research. Oh, so you got to look at the uh, trophy there. I I mean, I know you find that amazing because I was in the middle of doing my show. I mean, I was actually researching things. You're a multitasker. It's unbelievable. Uh, Apparently, a lot of these pitchers have a Cy Young part of their deal, their contracts, where they well, yeah, get some course. huge bonus if they get the Cy Young. Sure thing, board. sure so, thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as is as is the case with, uh, you know, I think in most sports that you have those incentives is built into your contract so that if you perform at a certain level, you know, it's more just more motivation to go out and be great now. It's all it, about the money, baby. Yeah, well, maybe we should do that with you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't be silly now. Come on. <laughs> That's sports, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Okay, let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. It looks like there won't be a government shutdown. There was a threat of it happening come Friday. The House passing a bill last night would prevent that government shutdown. On Tuesday, the House voted in favor of a Republican plan to fund some departments until mid-January and the rest through early February at current spending levels. The bill now heads to the Senate where it has bipartisan support. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he would pass Pass the legislation as soon as possible. I'm Brian Shook. Then you had just these strange moments in Congress yesterday. Tensions among Republicans flaring following a run-in between former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and one of the eight members of his own party who voted last month to boot him out. So this is the allegation that McCarthy bumped into Congressman Tim Burchett, this hardliner from Tennessee, 
As Republicans left a meeting, it was unclear if the collision which occurred in a narrow hallway in the U.S. Capitol's basement was accidental, but the exchange quickly turned heated as McCarthy walked away. Burchett yelled to McCarthy, asking why he elbowed him in the back and questioning whether he had any guts. Burchett then told reporters later that the shove was a clean shot to the kidney and absolutely on purpose because he was one of the eight. He called McCarthy a bully. McCarthy, though, last night, talking to the Washington Examiner following the incident and says it was just an innocent bump into Burchett. And then you had tensions erupting at a Senate committee hearing yesterday. An argument almost turned into a fistfight between Oklahoma uh, Senator Mark Wayne Mullen and the head of the Teamsters Union, President Sean O'Brien. The exchange occurred when Mullen apparently recalled an interaction the two had had back in June on Twitter. And then they both stood up like they were going to fight each other. How old are we? You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. You know, they should have let them just uh, fight it out. But the person who broke up the fight, the guy you least likely expect to do that, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. He was chairing the hearing, uh, restoring order. And he just said, looked at the two and he said, stop it. And, uh, well, he's dead. Uh, while we're in Washington, a former staffer of Long Island Congressman George Santos pleading guilty yesterday, uh, yesterday, Sam Mealy, who was accused of impersonating an aide of former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to raise funds, pleading guilty to wire fraud. The 27-year-old now faces between 27 and 33 months behind bars when he's sentenced in April. He's the second person, by the way aligned with Santos camp to cop a plea deal, including his former campaign treasurer, Nancy Marks. Meantime, Santos himself has pled not guilty to 23 criminal charges, including ones where he was using donor credit cards without their authorization. Yesterday, we were watching on New York City subway ridership continues to grow. It is still far below pre-COVID levels, but yesterday the MTA celebrating its one billionth subway customer, a guy named Brian Jones from New Jersey. He was the lucky guy who received some gifts from the MTA at the 175th Street Station in Manhattan. He had no idea it was coming. The one billionth subway customer comes about six weeks earlier than it did last year. However, the MTA says ridership still roughly 30% below what it was at its peak before the pandemic. Of course, the A lot of that has to do with people who were remote working during the pandemic continue to do that today. Out to Ohio, where we had this tragic bus accident involving a high school band, six people dead, 18 more injured after crash involving a charter bus carrying these high school students in Ohio. Jennifer Hamandy, she's the chair of the NTSB. She confirmed the news last night. Our hearts go out to you Uh, for those who lost loved ones. Uh, our deepest condolences, and uh, for others that were injured, just know that uh, we are uh, praying for a full recovery. How crazy that it's another high school marching band. Of course, you'll remember that accident with the Farmingdale High School Band a couple months back up in upstate New York. They were on their way to some sort of band camp. So were these kids who were on this bus yesterday. They were rear-ended by a semi-truck near Columbus It was taking these band students and chaperones from their high school to this conference in Columbus. Five vehicles, including the bus, involved in what they are calling a chain reaction accident. Uh, Three of the cars caught fire after the accident. The uh, Mets' new manager 
Carlos Mendoza, officially introduced at City Field yesterday. Mets fans, well, you know, Joe Nolan didn't seem that excited. The former Yankees bench coach says it's an honor to be the new manager, and he understands how passionate Mets fans are. They have high expectations, and when you're not meeting those expectations, they're going to let you know. Yeah, that's true. Corn, wheat, and soybean seeds pre-treated with pesticides may become a thing of the past here in New York. Environmental groups say they're putting pressure on Governor Hochul to sign legislation targeting the protection of birds and bees. Bees, of course, are the pollinators of our world. Without them, uh, well, the ecosystem might actually just collapse. But apparently 45% of colonies are dying off, and experts blame it on drought, disease, and these pesticides. So they're pushing Governor Hochul to sign the Birds and Bees Act. We are working very hard to create a buzz about this bill. We worked on it for five years. Governor Hochul, we need you to sign the Birds and Bees Protection Act. So if signed into law, advocates say the act would ban the use of toxic pesticides called neonics, which are used to treat corn, wheat, soybean seeds, as well as uh, ornamental uses on golf courses, lawns and gardens. But um, the New York Farm Bureau, Bureau, which uh, the farmers use this pesticides, they're pushing back big time. They say, no, we shouldn't get rid of it. Ultimately, New York Farm Bureau believes that she should not sign the legislation that it should be vetoed because the state currently has authority to review any and all pesticides uh, that enter the market here in New York State. And the governor has said she's now reviewing the Birds and Bees Protection Act. The act passed both houses in Albany. And finally, while we're talking about birds, bird enthusiasts apparently getting the thrill of a lifetime in Wall Township in New Jersey when a vagrant limpkin showed up in their neighborhood. It was the first documented sighting of a limpkin... (laughs) I don't know if I'd be able to pick a limpkin out, but uh, first ever sighting in New Jersey. This is the first sighting in New Jersey. I, just said I never that. saw so many blo- so many cars and people parked on my street. It looked like a turkey to me. So dozens of bird enthusiasts, along with uh, their high-powered camera lenses, flocking to Wall Township for this rare sighting. These birds are normally native to Georgia and Florida, so they're not sure why or how it got here. Here's the homeowner who saw the bird, and he said he's okay with the bird watchers trampling his grass. They, they've all been very polite. Everybody is asked, you know, if, if it's okay if they stand outside my property, which is public property, they can. And, and they've all said thank you, and they've all been been great. So, yeah, I would guess that bird watchers are polite people. We heard about it yesterday. Couldn't get down here yesterday. Then this morning someone reported that it was here. I took a spontaneous day, day off, vacation day, and <laughs> here we are. I'd love to have a hobby where I could just take a day off. Bird watching? Yeah. All right. Good for them.